Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Swings and Mishes here in early August. We are past the MLB trade deadline. I'm Jeremy Taché, joined as always by our host, Craig Mish. Craig, how you doing on this Friday morning, huh? Doing very well, Jeremy. Great to be with you here as we get ready for the last two months of the Major League Baseball season. Football season is coming, naturally. I know a lot of people are excited about that, but here on our podcast, we cover the Marlins. Yes, we do. And we'll continue to do that until the end of the season for sure. But yeah, it is great to be back with you here again. Great to see you. And, um, you know, I know that you had a little break there. So good Mm -hmm. for you on that. I did too. Went to the All-Star game. That was fun. So um, maybe at a future podcast, I'll do some All-Star game stuff and and just some of the experiences. It was fantastic. And Major League Baseball, uh, you know, was fantastic to me, helping me out making sure that I was accommodated with all the things that I needed to be too. So owe them a very big debt of gratitude. Mm. No doubt took my whole family was there for about a week. Fantastic time. We hadn't been anywhere in almost four years. So yeah, this wow. was, it was a much needed time away, but yeah, ready to get back into it here with the, with the uh, trade deadline for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. And we will, I would love to spend some time diving into the all-star game stuff with you at some point, but we have, News and notes, which is why the folks are here. Uh, Obviously, the MLB trade deadline has just passed, and the Marlins made just one move, traded Anthony Bass and Zach Pop to the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange for a top 100 prospect in Jordan Groshans, a shortstop slash third baseman probably. Um, What are your thoughts here on the one move that the Marlins did make, Craig? Well, Groshans is someone that I I think – has some really high upside. I think they did very well in this trade and being somebody on the outside looking in and talking to people around the league and very specifically people who have familiar with this player, especially coming out of high school. I I think that they, they did exceptionally well on this Hmm. deal. And when, when you look at a player like this, and I know that the numbers and the data don't really back up the season that he has had for sure. He's not, he has just not, his power has not come uh, very definitively asked somebody that was involved in uh, the process for the Marlins years ago, when this player had an opportunity to be drafted by the Marlins. My understanding is they would have taken him if he was available to them, but instead the blue Jays scooped him up right before. Now, Naturally, people are going to look at this and say, this is the most that you could have gotten for Bass, or this is the most that you could have gotten for Zach Pop. I understand those those comments. And by the way, my understanding is, had Bass not been traded, the Marlins would have picked up his option for next year mm. and then probably gone through the same process again to see where they stand in 2023 and all of that. But that being said, the magic wand of Mel Stottlemyre has basically worked on virtually every sixth, seventh, or eighth inning guy out of the bullpen. I mean, it really yeah. has. Now, you can make the case the ninth inning has not been steady at all at all but the setup areas have been fantastic i mean anthony bender has not done it this year but he did last year remember like this is a part of that process they have been able to dip into the minor leagues and to a degree free agency and and find a way to make these guys viable with their pitching coordinators and their development and Mel, they've been they've been able to make it happen. Mel has has helped them a ton, and we see that virtually with almost every pitcher. There have been exceptions to the rule. Out of every of ten pitchers the Marlins have had, Jeremy, out of every ten, two have not worked out. Like you're <laughs> right. hitting like at eighty percent. <laughs> it's amazing. So, so so expendable relievers, expendable relievers. No disrespect to those two players, but players that they could easily go into the minors or into free agency to a degree on a, on a lower scale 
bring them in and they can be replaced. And so you do that deal 10 times out of 10. I got major uh, accolades on the other side of this from impartial people telling me, hey, did the Marlins swindle the Jays? No, the Jays are trying to win the World Series. They just got two pieces that are going to help them. Right. But the long-term value has a nice chance to, to be an upside. Is Groshans, does he look like a perennial all-star? No, he does not. Does he look like a player that eventually is going to get to the big leagues and maybe start 100, 120 games? He does. That's if great. you're getting a major league infielder that is a starter that can start games for two pieces of players that you can replace, you have to do the deal. So on the on the positive side, no question, that deal looks good for Miami. And with uh, with Bass and Pop headed out the door, I just do just want to uh, mention Anthony Bass, who obviously came in to, to sort of be the closer last year. That didn't work out, but was dominant this season. And the thing that I appreciated from him all the way through was like he was great with all of us really was. in the media and, and, and really a class act with the fans as well, who kind of rode him at the beginning. Um, he he was great. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll miss seeing him around the clubhouse. He was he was a good guy to have no around question. the team. A plus guy. Um, and so now moving to the trades that were not made. Um, obviously, the Marlins did not trade Pablo Lopez. Kim Ang joined us on the, on the broadcast with Bally um, the day after the trade deadline on Wednesday um, and spoke about, you know, sort of for this trade deadline, letting teams come to the Marlins and sort of taking that approach. So what were your thoughts on uh, Kim Ang's comments on the broadcast and, and sort of their approach at this trade deadline? Yeah, it's, it's a little confusing because I know the question was asked directly about Pablo Lopez, and then the answer sort of evolved into the entire trade deadline. Mm -hmm. And had a stolen base not happened at the time, I think maybe some expansion would have been had on that. I'm not right. sure why Kim stopped at that point and didn't keep going because I think that we could have gotten a much clearer picture. But in my opinion... And again, speaking from opinion here, I, I just don't believe that that is accurate. I, 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 from what I understand, the Marlins did get aggressive on trying to acquire uh, some other players that could potentially help them for the future. So I am completely confused as to that statement. I have no idea what it meant. Um, I, I don't think in particular it came off very well because I just don't believe it to be accurate. I do think that the Marlins fielded a million calls. Yes, that is true. But in the end, I think a better message could have been conveyed to the degree of, hey, look, there were you know, we, we were just flooded with, with teams that loved our players. But right. to say that we were not trying to get better at the deadline by acquiring people for the future, I feel was a missed opportunity in that spot. There are going to be a lot of other opportunities, certainly. But this was just one that, honestly, it didn't come off very well, in, in my opinion. But rest assured, it is my understanding that that they they are still trying to do those deals like they have done in the past. The gallon for Jazz, the acquiring of Sanchez and Stanek and, and you know, for Nick Anderson and, and, and Trevor Rogers. Like those the, those deals were trying to be were trying to be had which leads to obviously a very bigger question is why, why they did not. But I just want to clear that up. I, I think there will be opportunities for, for Kim to speak more about this publicly, but I do feel that when she spoke to all of us in the media, I thought that there was more of that message, right. but a very confused Jeremy. I can't sit here and tell you that I'm not because a week ago it was, we're going to be buyers and we're going to be sellers. And then all of a sudden it's nowhere. We were taking calls. I, I, I don't know. I, I really, 
I, I can't speak for Kim. She's going to have to do this for herself. I feel like some cleaning up is probably going to have to be done because the message that you want to send to your fan base right now isn't that we're sitting back and just letting people call and see what happens. It's that we're at, we are basically at DEFCON, whatever that number is, needs to be. <laughs> You're about to lose your fan base. You are about to, people are not pissed anymore. They don't, they, they are not. That would be great. You're, you're getting people that don't care. And, and you're getting to that point where, where you are going to have to, this offseason, make some moves to bring that good feeling so people like me can tell you there's a good feeling back. I personally am still super encouraged with the people that are working for the Marlins. Mm. I, 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 it, is, it is, to me, the most understated part of this equation how upset and and angry these people are mm. i mean they are really like they want to be better <laughs> everybody really cares and wants to be better now no one cares with me saying that sure and everyone still is going to be like ah he said that last year they all care they're all nice but i am telling you now no one is sitting back going ah pff, whatever we stink no one is doing that no, no one they all want to win they're all invested to win every single person from top to bottom. It is definitely true. And it makes me feel good to know that because I have not caught a text or a conversation to say, oh, this, this whole thing just stinks. I have not got that. I've gotten the opposite. Right. But, but it's a results business in the end. Mm -hmm. And how can I continue to keep doing these podcasts every month or two months and then the offseason say, oh, you got to keep faith. You got to keep faith. I have to show it. It, it yeah. has to be shown. And I said it last offseason, and I'm a total idiot for saying it again, probably, Jeremy. But, I mean, this has got to be it this winter. I mean, really. Like, you, you, you can't keep kicking the can forever on us. You can't do it. And so, hopefully, this offseason, as Kim said to the media, key acquisitions need to be made. Mm -hmm. Not acquisitions. Key acquisitions need to be made to upgrade the team in the winter. Absolutely. Being both like you've you, we've talked about a lot, right, being the aggressor and letting people come to you on, on both ends of that. Right. You can be uh, not the buyers and sellers, but yes, buyers and sellers be in a position where, you know, you have an abundance of pitching and operate from that position of strength like we always talk about. And again, one of the guys who they held on to who, you know, retains a ton of value here going into the offseason should he stay healthy through the rest of this season is Pablo Lopez. He was the guy who was not traded. You and Barry Jackson in the Miami Herald had an article um, where you reported, you know, some some of the rumblings that were there around Pablo. The Yankees, you know, what was going on uh, specifically with Pablo Lopez and the discussions that were had there? I, I think that the Marlins did the, a, a good job listening on Lopez. I, I would say the accuracy of them shopping him is you know just basically letting teams to call i think right. that is accurate i don't think that they were calling other teams and saying what do you what would you give us for lopez i think that that's fair they didn't do that i i think that the dodgers both the dodgers and the yankees in particular more so the yankees than the dodgers did not give them what they wanted in return and were not particularly close if I had to gauge it, the Dodgers probably on a scale, I'm trying to do this in the best way I can, but the Dodgers probably on a scale of 110, one being the least and 10 being the most as far as close, I would say the Dodgers probably were about a four mm. out of 10. And then I would say the Yankees probably were about like a six and a half out of 10. It did, it did kind of come down to the end as far as the deadline was concerned, but I don't really think that either team felt like there was a match. Mm -hmm. I, I in the Herald reported that Glaber Torres, his name came up. There's been some 
back and forth now with other media on this. And it, it's kind of ridiculous to, to say the least, because obviously when a, when a player's name comes up in a deal, and I want to be perfectly clear on this, this isn't just the Marlins wanting a person, which is how this is coming off that the more that, that, I mean, it's, the Yankees are willing to trade players clearly yeah, of course. to get Pablo Lopez. So I, I want to, you know, it's like, sometimes I come off as the, Oh, it's, it was Glaber Torres. And that was it. I mean, Glaber Torres was like the consolation of, of, of what the Marlins really wanted to do here. And, and a Glaber Torres for Pablo Lopez deal, in my opinion, in the Marlins eyes was not going to be enough to get that yeah. done. Obviously they have the number one prospect in the infield in baseball. I believe he is in uh, Anthony Volpe. I, I think Stud. he's the number one overall. He may be, I'm not sure. I can check that out. But, but I, but I do believe that that may have got a conversation started at that point And that he's a non-starter for the Yankees. The Yankees are clearly not trading this player understandably so for a number of different reasons reason number one this is the first time the yankees haven't had like a premier shortstop playing for them this season and volpe just slides right in there next year and it does make sense so not going to get into any other names as far as that is concerned with the yankees scale of one to ten six and a half pablo will be back does it guarantee him long term here in miami absolutely not you'd have no idea what's going to happen this offseason they could go right back and 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 have that opportunity to trade him again the only thing I could say is thank goodness at the end of this that Kim spoke to Pablo about it yep. because I want to add this part. Please. Kim does not, and no one in the organization does not owe it to Pablo to talk to him throughout this process and say, hey, you're on the move. You're going to get traded. There's a chance. Maybe not. But this man has given a lot to yep. this organization. This man is helping people out of their cars in the parking lot and walking them into the stadium. I'm yes. being facetious, but you get what I'm right. saying. He is repainting the seats <laughs> before the games. He, I, I, this this man the guy. Yeah. has been an A++ character for the organization. This is not like some of the other guys on the team. And it's, it's one thing if they don't want to extend him. That's the business of baseball, and there's, there's no question about that. But to leave this guy hanging throughout the process without even saying a word, I don't feel was the right thing to do. I think I think at some point a conversation should have been had. Hey, here's here's where things are at. Yes, we are listening. We still respect you. We love you. We hope to keep you here. You understand the nature of baseball. Your name is going to come up mm -hmm. in a lot of different scenarios. It doesn't mean we're trading you. It just means that a lot of teams like you. But instead, this was this was waited right up until six o'clock Eastern. And then and at least at the end, Kim did say something to him. Um, what was interesting of note is it came out yesterday. Just an example, not saying every team handles it this way. Sure. But John Mozeliak, the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, the night before the trade deadline, it came out now, told Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman they would not be traded. I'm not saying that 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 they did had to tell Pablo he would not be traded, but he was pretty hung out there, man, for yeah. for a while. Um, every player needs to be handled differently. These are all humans. He's a human being, but he's an A plus human. And anytime the organization has asked Pablo to do something, the guy is first in line. Don't ever forget that when you're, you know, mentioning players up up uh, in upheaval as far as their mm -hmm. life is concerned. A little bit of a missed opportunity, in my opinion, for that as well. I'm glad that conversation did eventually happen. Um, and and seeing it, you know, we could see it, you know, from from the press box. We saw it a little bit on TV, and it was. I ran downstairs. Did you see what happened on that one? No, let me. What? Tell me. Let's talk about it. We have. Yeah. We so have a what happened was 
So what happened was Pablo stood up and waved to the media from the dugout. Oh, like, I missed that. I didn't that he, see I that. I missed it too. I missed That's it funny. too. So, so then I looked down and he, there he is, he's doing it. And then all of a sudden I see Kim coming out of the dugout oh. and I booked. <laughs> I, booked. <laughs> I was like, whoosh. I, I ran around it. the corner, you know, yeah. the thing is I, is I do exercise every day. So I ran around the corner, got to the elevator, got down and then start like not running, but like walking real fast to get a picture of the shot. And and Mike Biana is doing his live and I walk right into the live. <laughs> I walk B. literally right and he goes, Hey, Craig Bish is stepping in front of us, you know, like literally. That's hilarious. Yeah, right there. And I felt so bad. Mike, if you're listening, I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure so he understands. We've all got uh we've all got our, our top priorities during trade deadline so day. So I'm sure he understands. So um, out of character for me to, to to do that. I am so sorry. He does a great job and he does I totally totally on that one. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure he is listening and I'm sure he accepts your apology. He was uh, very cool about it and he was like, it was Mike. actually really good. I'm like, yeah. no, it wasn't. Believe me. <laughs> it was not really good. But I got caught up in the moment. Yep. I got excited and and I was like, wow, this is going to be a great picture. And then the, the Marlins photographer, of course, he's always yeah, on Yeah, Joe. It. Joe Uzi, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's uh, the back. He, well, he, he, he noticed me coming too and he right, like right. gave me the like the look like, yeah, like that's the shot. Right. right. Like, like that's the that's the picture of the day. Hilarious. <laughs> the right. And, and and so I was like, yeah, I can grab my phone. I took a picture. But anyway, that's the yeah. story with Pablo Lopez. And and that's and it was, you know, maybe Torres, maybe some other things, too. But it was not it was not going to happen. If, if there's anybody in the organization as nice as Pablo Lopez, it's Mike Biana. So you, you came across the right guy. Also of note, uh, according to MLB Pipeline, Anthony Volpe would be the third ranked infielder with Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Walker of the Orioles right. and Orioles Cardinals and ranked Cardinals, ahead of him. Yes. Okay. Uh, that, that would be it. Um, and so go, speaking of prospects, um, we're going to see a new one here with the Miami Marlins starting this weekend. Peyton Burdick has been called up. Jesus Sanchez has actually been sent down in his stead. So uh, your thoughts here on the emergence of, of Peyton Burdick, what, what you expect to see from him, and also Jesus Sanchez now being sent down here in August after sort of a blistering start to this season. And then what happened? And then what but happened? But yeah, but Burdick, third third round pick, not, not all third round picks make it to the major leagues. So... Yeah. You know, has Burdick lit it up the last few years to get to this spot? Probably not. But the, the Marlins are in an impossible position. They have like the team that you're going to see now with the Marlins from now until at least probably like the end of the month is obviously not a you know, representation of what they thought they would be at the beginning of the season. No. So buckle up, folks, because they play the Dodgers six times and the Padres three times and the Rays a couple times and the Braves. This is going to get it's, yeah. it's going to get worse before it gets better. All right, this is just the nature of it. Tough schedule. So the timing. I mean, you have to call up Peyton Burdick, and I endorse it. The timing. Oh my gosh, like he is about to run into like some really like really good, good teams. pitching and really it's gonna good be teams. Tough. It's going to be tough for all of them. It's going to they they want less swing and miss. They're probably going to get a lot of swing and miss coming up here. So. So, yeah, so look, he, they have very uh, high hopes for him. A lot of the advanced metrics do point to him being a major league player. He'll get an opportunity now to play every day. Why? Because they've basically pulled the plug on Jesus Sanchez, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. His April and early May looked fantastic. And I can come on this podcast for years and years and years and tell you the same exact story. It's a tale as long as time. Advanced scouting in major league baseball yep. is the very best in sports. They're going to watch the video, and when Sanchez is hitting a home run every day, they're only looking at his swing to see, hey, where, do, where, where are the holes? Which, which, yep, which pitch did he miss? 
and they figured him out. They figured him out in May and in June and most of July. And this dude made zero adjustments whatsoever. And when I say zero, he made none. He did not look comfortable at all in any plate appearance. He golfed the ball that Hunter Strickland completely messed up on. Yeah. Um, you know, it, he, it's basically like he was, it, it, it felt to me like he was playing with a blindfold on and just swinging the bat and praying that it made contact. And a few times it did, and he hit a home run from May on. Mm. But other than that, it did not go well. His base running, very clearly for everybody who was watching, he, I mean, the, the, the home plate, you got to run to home. You can't run the other way. There, nothing good happens running backwards. He, the guy's running back to bases more than he's running home. Center field did not play well, did not look good in center field. The Marlins tried. They really should have figured out a way to get this fixed. And on top of it, there was a game in, in uh, where they played Pittsburgh where he just like didn't show up for the game. Like he just came like five minutes or something before the game. Somehow he ended up getting in the game. At the time, you know, I didn't know anything about it. There's a, a Twitter account. The guy's name's Ram Sports. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, Jeremy, that's how I found out. He put that out and I started like, you know, it seems like a pretty detailed story to like. And, and I looked into it and eh, not 100 percent accurate what he said. I think he sure. said like they thought he was dead or something. It was stupid. Right. But but yeah, I mean, he pretty much like forgot there was a game or something. Like I don't even know what happened. And so there's been some things happening with him. This should have happened immediately after that moment, by the way. As, as soon as he, this guy missed the game, that's, I mean, come on, with the way that things were going, I don't know how he got past that and just kept playing. And by the way, was used to pinch it, I think because of an injury. Jesus is a very nice kid. I hope he makes it. He definitely shows some significant potential. But until he learns how to be a big leaguer and make significant adjustments at the plate, this is the destination. It's going to be AAA. And unfortunately, going into next year, what is Jesus Sanchez? I literally have no idea. The only thing that I've learned from this year is that he's at best a platoon player. This guy is not hitting left-handed pitching at all. That doesn't mean he can't be a viable guy, Jeremy, at all. He can be a platooner with somebody from the other side in the outfield, left field, right field, not center field. Unfortunately, the high hopes that looked like like a slam dunk deal in April for the Marlins did not look like that the rest of the year. I would say in terms of 2022 disappointments, Sanchez is not at the top but he certainly is in that conversation. Yeah, it was uh there was a moment I believe the series was against the Braves um where Sanchez had had that hot start, had been playing pretty well in March and April and then they went up against the Braves and I believe of if you say he saw 50 pitches, it was 50 changeups. And it just like broke his swing. And from that moment on, it was like you said, with the advanced scouting, everybody knew exactly where to pitch him. And and from there, I mean, at this point, his swing is a long swing where that was the one thing that, that was really good. He had this nice, compact, powerful swing. And now at this point, it feels like you can blow kind of 92 miles an hour by him because the swing is so long. It's been it's been upsetting to see sort of the the um, breakdown of his swing at this point. And so hopefully you know, look, go feast on some minor leaguers, build back up that confidence, get yourself into some good habits and and maybe start fresh next season. But yeah, certainly this season has been uh, disappointing from from that standpoint. Uh, Any last news and notes before we wrap up here? Yeah, the other thing that I want to mention, because I did have in in the in the story in the Herald did have something on Don Mattingly. So I do want to mention that at the end. Um, So I, I, I spoke to to Donnie on the field 
on, uh, was it Tuesday? I don't know if, gosh, was it Monday or Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. I think it was the actual trade deadline day. So, cause I, I mean, my gosh, I was at the park back to back days. How about that one? <laughs> close to it. That, no, I was not actually, I was there, not like, back to back. Or two, I, three. Not going to go that far. Yeah. It's, it's, it, that has not been my finest work this year, not going as much as, as, as I used to go, but it's just mm. the nature of circumstances of me put it all on me. So at deadline day, yes, deadline, you know, I'm going to show up that day. So right. deadline day, you know, Donnie gets done with the media and, and I'm, and I, and, and I've been thinking about this now for about a month, because if you remember Jeremy last year in July, the Marlins made an announcement that Donnie was coming back mm-hmm. for 2022. And the reason why was because in the two year, in the contract that he had, it, there was something in there with an option that he had to know whether or not he was coming back by July of last year, somewhere Correct. along those lines. And so I went to him and I'm like, like, there's no option, right? Like in your contract, like not that I know of, like your contract's coming to an end. And do you feel like it's a fair question for me to ask you? And Donnie's like, oh, of course it's a fair question to <laughs> ask. And, and we, and, you know, so, so then we spent, I don't know, five, 10 minutes talk, t- like kind of talking about it. Some of the things are private, not going to share what I would share are the things that, that he allowed me to. And I doubled down on at the end of the conversation, just to make sure that we were perfectly clear. Non-committal is the word that he wants to use at the moment sure. because he's just not sure he, I, I believe that he wants to evaluate this at the end of the season, not for how good or bad the Marlins are going to be. He wants to evaluate it for himself. Very specifically. He told me he's a little bit older now and obviously he has a family that's very important to him. And he just wants to like breathe and then decide. And he's not thinking about it right now. It's all systems go for the end of the season. He knows young guys are coming up. And that was one thing specifically that he mentioned to me. He still loves teaching. He loves when the young guys come up. He loves when they get their opportunity. I feel like it, you know, it energizes him because it it reminds him of when he came up. Right. Of course. He's an 83 or 84, whatever it was. And, and we are all so fortunate to have Don Mattingly around this team every day for the past however long it's been that I would encourage. And and the fans really can't get the best of this because I, I look and I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the year. Donnie may come back for next year for all I know. But I would tell the media, the media has an opportunity before the season ends to thank Don Mattingly and sit next to Don Mattingly at one of his press conferences before the game. And I would, I would be ashamed if anybody who is in South Florida who has covered this team and has done an, a radio interview or a TV interview or a live shot or a, a handshake or a question to not at least make one more effort to do that before the end of the season, because it is very rare to have a legend, legend. like Mattingly sitting next to you for those people who are, 35 years old and 40 and 50 years old and to get the kind of I I would say conversation and acceptance as to who we are and who he is he completely respects what the media does yep and and you should completely respect that this guy has been aces aces from the beginning to the end regardless of what you think about him as a manager he has never turned anyone down for he's giving you his heart every single time and of course, I grew up with him as one of my favorite players. It's it's the hardest thing for me of all to be impartial because of just how I felt about this guy growing up watching him play. But I but but we've had conversations where I've been super critical of him, and we yeah. have gone at it on Zooms, in person, a hundred percent. 
But in the end, I can't thank him enough for being as respectful and complimentary to me as to, as to what I do. Mm. I'll never forget that. And this, this may not be the end and I don't want to make it sound like it is. I know I'm kind of going in that direction. <laughs> yeah. it, it sort of feels like it. I mean, let's be honest, if there are 15 games under 500 at the end of the year, some tough decisions are going to have to be made, but I rarely ask the media of that, but I would just say it ain't going to be easy to get to the ballpark because football starting here. And I get it, the hurricanes and the dolphins. And then obviously the heat will start too. And the Panthers, but I think that we all just kind of owe it three o'clock Eastern three o'clock one day before the end of the season to just sit down and talk to this guy for five minutes anymore. I hope he comes back and I, and I hope he's a manager or a special assistant or whatever it is, but don't lose that chance because whoever the next manager is, is not going to be Don, not Mattingly. Don Mattingly. Right. <laughs> right. right. It's, <laughs> it's not going to be one of the greatest players to ever play. It's right. not going to be that guy. Yeah. No matter who so it is. Don't, the, the one thing I could tell you in my life, I've I've met Willie Mays. I've met Joe Montana. Like I've never lost an opportunity to be able to Joe Namath to say that I've been around some of the greatest players because I know that these things are things that I want to tell my kids. And 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 I hope I hope that people appreciate his his time here and how how unbelievable he has been to the media and the fans. He signs so many autographs yep. every day this guy is like i mean it's it's dogmatically every day it doesn't matter <laughs> i want to end with that hopefully hopefully we'll have some clarity on that i think that it's owed to him by the way before the mm -hmm. end of the season to at least determine what the end result is going to be and and maybe if it is the end and he decides it is the end maybe we can all get together and 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 you know on, on a last day kind of situation and yep. do that but it does not get lost upon me how great this man is. It does not get lost here. I mean, I just wanted to say that before we ended this. I know I'll be uh, trying to savor all of those, all of those moments as he speaks to the media and specifically those moments after the uh, cameras turn off and there's, you know, Absolutely. some of those side conversations. So I know I'll be savoring it, um, you know, regardless of whether or not he's back next year, either way, it's like, you got, you got to enjoy those conversations with someone like Don Mattingly uh, for Marlins fans, obviously uh, continue to interact with everything that we're doing on social media. Follow Craig at Craig Mish, follow me at Jeremy Taché, uh, like subscribe, rate review, do the things you're supposed to do with podcasts. And Hey, Marlins Cubs this weekend, a rematch of the 2020 playoffs, huh? Hey, <laughs> There you go. Enjoy it. Have a good one, Marlins fans.